Peter didn't work for that money. Peter didn't get that money from his genius, from his intellect, from his hard work. Peter got that money simply by obeying God's simple instructions. Welcome to The Awakening Podcast. On today's episode, Pastor Jordan teaches on Jesus, the provider, and how Jesus provides to us in order to provide through us. We hope this message builds and strengthens you today. Let's receive the word together. Today, I want to talk to you about Jesus, the provider. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is a provider. Will you turn in your your Bibles to Matthew chapter 17? We're going to have fun today. I can tell you guys came ready to party and I feel good about it. I don't have any jokes in my sermon, but we'll see where it goes. Matthew, (laughs) Matthew chapter 17. We're going to read verse 24 through 27. I don't know why I just keep laughing up here. This is, you can tell I'm back from vacation. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. <laughs> Matthew 17, 24 through 27. Maybe because we're going to read a weird story and it's kind of a funny story. And maybe that's, maybe that's why the joy of the Lord, maybe it's the first song that we sang. I don't know, but I've, I've, this is, this is fun. Matthew chapter 17, verse 24 through 27. You have in your Bibles? I see that you do. It says this. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter. And they asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. Then when Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. He already knew what was going on. What do you think, Simon, he asked, from whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes, from their own children or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and for yours. So what Jesus is saying here is, um, first and foremost, he he says to Peter, he says, who does the the king tax? Well, he taxes the subjects. Does he tax his own sons? No, certainly not. And Jesus is like, I'm the son. In other words, I don't have to give this tithe to the temple. I own the temple. Jesus is saying, my dad owns that place. You know that? My dad owns that place. But he's saying, but I'll follow the customs so that I don't offend, but I'm about to show you something far above just the temple tax. I'm going to show you something supernatural. But this is an odd story. This is a strange story. And we're going to get into, you know, into that a little bit. But let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, that you have spoken to us today already. And God, I just feel there's a lightness in the room and and there's a freedom in the room because your presence is in the room, God. And we know it's because of you. God, I thank you that you do the heavy lifting, God. And all we have to do is respond to your goodness and to your word. So God, may we respond well. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, all God's people said. Come on, all God's people said. Amen. Amen. This story is an odd story. 
the, the teachers come to Peter and they're trying to trap Jesus as usual. And they say, why doesn't Jesus pay the temple tax? And Peter's like, yeah, he does. And then he goes to Jesus and says, what do we do about the tax? And Jesus, and Jesus says, well, go catch a fish, which at this point you think, I know where this is going. You take the fish, you sell the fish. But then he doesn't go. He says, then open its mouth, which he had to say open its mouth because Peter would never have done this. Open its mouth and there's a coin already in the fish. Take that coin and the fish coin and wipe it off, I assume. And then go bring it to the temple uh, and, and, and pay the tax. If I could get us all on the same page, this is a strange story. No? Money from the mouth of a fish? It's a bit odd. And it's only, it's only found here. And it's, it's almost never really brought up. And, and you, might, you, might, you might take the story and disregard it because it's so odd, because it's so strange. You think maybe this, this has really nothing to do with my life, and there's really no spiritual principle here. But, but I, wanna, I want you to understand something about the Bible. When it's strange, it's because it's supernatural. This will help you in the Bible. Like when Moses sees a bush that's burning, but ever, doesn't go out, he says, hey, that's strange. And that's part of what God does to lure you over here. You think this is weird? It's going to get weirder. Come over. He lures you over so that he can teach you something supernatural. Because if it's natural, it's normal. If it's strange, it's supernatural. Because the kingdom of heaven doesn't work like the kingdom of earth. God's ways are higher than our ways. If we could so easily comprehend God, he wouldn't be God. But he's the eternal, omniscient, immortal being. And he's translating some things into our language. And sometimes it's difficult to understand. So this will help you out when you read the Bible. If it's strange, it's because it's supernatural. Which means it's the kingdom of God. Or the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of earth. And so God is going to show us how he works. This is how God works with people. This is how God works with finances. This is how God works with his house and his temple. All of that is found in this story. This is how God works. And, and I would propose to you that it goes something like this. Jesus provides to us in order to provide through us. That's, that's something about how this story works, is that Jesus provides to us in order to provide through us. And my goal as a pastor is hopefully to get what's in you out of you and into the hands of the master so that he can use it for the multiplication of the house of the Lord and for his goodness. Money from the mouth of a fish. It's not logical. It's a bit strange. But I think right off the bat, what we're able to see is that God is able to do extraordinary things through ordinary people. We're, we're, we're able to see that God is able to bring extraordinary provisions from very mundane places, very normal places. There's, a, there's trillions of fish in the sea, but God says, I'm going to use one of them to do something extraordinary. And, and I think sometimes we don't see God do the extraordinary because we're afraid or nervous uh, to take the, the step over from logical into supernatural. Sometimes we're, we don't take the step over from 
reality into faith. And faith exists in the strange. It exists in the unique. It exists in the, in, in the time where you have to trust God. Like, let me put it this way. If it's logical, you don't need to trust. If it all makes sense, you don't have to believe. There's no gap. There's no step you have to take. But God always exists on the other side of the gap. He always exists over in the supernatural, in the eternal, and in the strange. And he says, if you want to come over here with me, you got to make a leap. It's a leap of faith. And I think sometimes we don't see strange things like like money from the mouth of of a fish. We don't see unique provisions. We don't sometimes see radical blessings. We don't sometimes have have powerful testimonies because we refuse to step into the realm of the supernatural. We want to stay where we can understand where our logic works, where we don't have to trust God. But, but can I tell you this truth today? That when you begin to operate in faith over fear, when you begin to operate in faith over even logic, when you begin to operate in faith over what you know, this is where God gets involved. And God, as my dad always says, works with fuzzy math. Isn't it true? God works with fuzzy math. He does odd things. His provisions are always askew. And, and, they, and it's so funny, when people, when people get in themselves into these situations, when maybe they, they go to give to the church, or they make a pledge, or, or they're really believing for something in life, and they're praying for it, fasting, have some members of their crew fasting with them, after a period of time, sometimes it's a year, sometimes it's a week, sometimes it's a, a decade, but they'll always begin the story with this phrase, you'll never believe it. They always tell me, you'll never believe it. Because it's like money from the mouth of a fish. It's always odd circumstances, and that's God peeking through. That's me. That's me, because it's not you. It's not you. Peter didn't work for that money. Peter didn't get that money from his genius, from his intellect, from his hard work. Peter got that money simply by obeying God's simple instructions. This is how God works. And this is the principle of provision that I want to talk to you about today. The principle of provision requires faith. It requires God to get involved. Remember, there's, there's a man at, here at the church, a great leader, been involved in the church many, many years. But when he was first coming to the church, he was a pastor, and, and some of the men were trying to get him to come and be part of men's corps. Men's corps builds the house, physically takes care of the house. And, um, and we're going to be rebuilding men's corps. So I hope those of you men that have some skills, the sermon is for you. This man was, uh, he said, look, I'd love to come and help, and I've got all of these skills, and I'd love to come help and build, but I'm so uh, nervous. I don't have enough jobs right now lined up that I have to work every single minute of the day in order to keep these jobs running. I don't have time to come and serve the church. I have got to keep my, my company running. And, um, and I remember pastor was saying to him, let me tell you something. God works with fuzzy math. If you take this step of faith, you show up, you work with the men, you begin to build his house, watch what God will do with your house. So after a couple months of this, finally the man says, all right, this Wednesday night, I'm coming, I'll show up. When he gets here and starts to, to build, to work, he gets a phone call 
They said, uh, sir, you got the job that you bid for. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Tells the guys, I got the job that I've been bidding for. Awesome. Praise God. Working a little bit longer, the phone rings again. Hello? You got the job that you've been bidding for. It tells the guys, two jobs in one night. Unbelievable. Goes back to song, phone rings again. You got the job that you've been bidding for. And he goes, what's going on here? Phone rings again. You got the job that you've been bidding for. Four jobs in one night because God's trying to say, I work with fuzzy math. You take care of my house. I'll take care of your house. When you give towards my house, I'll give towards your house. When you obey, I'll get involved. This is a good God. And he doesn't just provide to us. He provides to us and through us. Philippians 4.19 says this, and my God will supply every need of yours according to whose riches and glory? To his. Not according to your wisdom, not according to your bank account, not according to those around you, not according to your circumstance, not according to your demographic, not according to your city and your town, not according to your boss, not according to your government, according to his riches and glory, which is eternal and expansive. So this is what I believe God's trying to show us through this simple and yet strange story is that If you'll follow me into the strange, into the unique, into the odd, I'll show you how I work and the supernatural will begin to get involved. God tells Peter, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the lake and I want you to throw out your line. Okay, so we need some finances. So we need some resources. So we need some provisions. Here is God's strategy for provision. Go to the lake and throw out your line. What I find interesting is that he's using Peter. He has 12 disciples. Matthew is the the one that held all, uh, um, sorry, Judas was the one that held all the money, stole it. And, but he didn't go to Judas for the money. He goes to Peter. And what does he say? He says, Peter, you're a fisherman, right? Go fishing. What I find interesting about this, this is, don't forget, God's strategy for provision is that God, number one, uses people. God could have done the magic trick, you know, from the air, but it would have been a real magic trick. He could have done that. He could have made money appear from thin air, but that's not how God works. God chooses to use people. And then he uses normal people. And then even more than that, he uses what we know. So, so Peter's a fisherman. God's like, I can work with that. Go fishing. Go take a line. Go to the lake and go do what you know what to do. Because this is how God works. He uses regular people and he uses who we are and he uses what we have in order to do the supernatural. You know, the, the little boy had, had the fish and loaves. It's, it's very normal thing that God does to multiply. I'm telling you this because I think you need to understand that God works in a, in a certain way. I would call it naturally supernatural. In other words, God's not waiting for you to become a monk. God's not waiting for you to do the impossible. God's not waiting for a 40-day fast juice cleanse from you. God's saying, who are you? And what do you know how to do? Peter's like, well, I'm a fisherman. We'll use that. God will use your job. God will use your mind. God will use your contacts. God will use your position to bring provision. But what you have to understand is it's not just to you. It's supposed to be through you. And so God sends Peter out to do what he knows how to do. I think God 
is so good. He's not going to make you have to <coughs> become a certain way, um, uh, change all the things about you. God likes you and God likes you just like you are. And so God says, I'll, I'll use what you know how to do. Do you remember when God found Peter? He was a fisherman and he was fishing. And, and do you remember what Jesus said to him? He says, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Remember that? He was saying, you're not going to have to change all that much. Everything you know how to do, I'll use all of that, but I'm going to shift it a little bit. Instead of fishing for fish, I'm going to teach you how to fish for men. And, and this is really the calling of ministry of the, of the primary disciple, of the disciple that's going to lead all the other disciples, which I find very powerful. And I think this is an important moment for you to understand this I think this is an important moment for you to understand this other story, is that God says, I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. He says this, then later on, he says, now go fish for the temple tax. I think these two stories are connected. And I'll, I'll show you how, because there's another time when he's speaking to Peter, and he says to Peter, I'm going to change your name. You no longer are Simon, which was his original name. You are now called Peter, which means rock. And on this rock... I will build my church. And Peter was the primary leader of all the other disciples. The Catholic church calls Peter the first pope because he's the first leader that God says, I'm going to use you to build my church. So let's combine all three of these things. Jesus finds Peter, he finds Simon fishing, and he says, I'm going to use that, but I'm going to use it for people. Then later on, he says to Simon, and also I'm going to change your name. Whatever it meant before, I'll tell you what it means now. You're the rock, and I'm going to use you to build my church. So you're going to be a fisherman, fisher of men, that knows how to build my church. I think this story lies in between these two stories. That God is, he's asking Peter to go fishing, but it is actually all about ministry. It's actually all about leading people. It's actually all about following God's direction. I think it's actually about leadership. And it's almost like Jesus is showing Peter, while he's still there, hey, this is how I am going to provide for my church. I'm going to do it naturally and supernaturally. I'm going to use people, but I'm going to do incredible miracles. I'll use who you are, and I'll use what you know how to do, but I'm going to get involved, and I'm going to do the supernatural and over the top. So all you have to do is this. You have to obey. In other words, you catch the people, I'll build the church. You obey, and I'll provide. This is similar to what Jesus, what God said to Moses. Strike the rock I'll bring water from it. And you think water doesn't come from the rock. I'll take care of the water. You just obey. And do you remember the second time he says to him, speak to the rock. And this time Moses says, no, I'm angry. I'm striking the rock. I want it to work like last time. And do you know at that moment, God said, okay, but your leadership is over. Why? Why? Because you're no longer obeying. So bring in Joshua because he'll obey. Because this is how God's principle of provision works. I instruct, you obey, I provide. This is how it works. And this is what you see in this story. God says, I'll instruct. It's going to be a little weird. You're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to follow me. But I will. But if you obey, I will provide. This is God's strategy for provision for the church, 
for his people, for his house, and for your house. Are you with me? So I, I just think it's not by accident that it's Peter, and it's not by accident that it's fishing, because I don't think it's just about fishing. I think it's about leading. I think it's about following. I think it's about ministry. And I think there's something in this for us. Jesus says, go to the lake, throw out your line, then take the first fish you catch, the first fish, and open its mouth, and you'll find a four drachma coin. Open its mouth, and you'll find a four drachma coin. They needed a two drachma coin for Jesus' temple tax, but he says inside will be a four drachma coin. Take the fish, open its mouth, you'll find a coin. Take the fish, I'll make you fishers of men. Open its mouth and you'll find a coin. I think, I think the point of this is that God places provision for the house within the people. He places provision for your house within the people. Take the fish. I'll make you fishers of men. Open its mouth. Open its mouth and you're going to find something in there that probably even shouldn't be there. Maybe that you didn't even know is there. I, I, would, I would propose to you today that the provision that maybe you're looking God to provide for you is already within you. And if you would trust and you would obey and you would walk with him, you might discover more in yourself than you ever thought was there. I would implore you though to open your mouth. Because if you would open your mouth, you might think fear will come out, but I would encourage you, you might find faith there. When you open your mouth and you begin to pray, you might begin to see miracles happen. When you open your mouth, you might find a courage. You might say some things that you didn't even know you knew. Have you ever said something so wise you thought, that was a good point? I'm going to write that down. Sometimes people will say something I said, and I said, I said that? That's pretty good. I, I think there's something to opening your mouth and out of the abundance of the heart. And if you love Jesus and you're trying to follow Jesus, there might be more in here than you even know. There might be more in here that you haven't even discovered. And maybe you've been following him for 10 years. Maybe you've been, maybe you've been a leader. Maybe you've grown. Can I tell you, there might still be more in here that God's getting ready to pull out of your life. But you gotta say, God, I'm open, I'm open. I'll give you the first, that's the tithe. I'll give you my best, I'll give you my everything, and I'm wide open to you. Lord, Lord, what do you have in me that you want to use from me? Do not be afraid to open your mouth. I'm gonna tell you a story. I wasn't gonna tell you this story. Um, I hope it's all right that I tell this story, Samantha. So we'll see what happens. (laughs) We were on vacation this week. Things did not go according to plan. Nothing went according to plan. Um, Someone wasn't, I think the prayer team stopped praying for me. They were praying for Pastor David. (laughs) But there was no prayer covering. No, I'm kidding. It was one trial after another. It really was. It was one kind of strange circumstance after another. I was on the phone with my dad, 
And we were honestly even debating whether we were just going to come home early or whatever. Don't ask us about the details of this after the sermon. Don't ask Samantha. No, it was, just, it was just the normal, you know, vacation stuff. You got three kids and it's just way harder work than being at work. That kind of stuff, you know? And I was on the phone with my dad and we were kind of going back and forth whether we just fly home early or whatever. And I told my dad, just in this moment, this, this, this thought came out of me. I said, Dad, no matter how this thing has gone so far, I am going to wrestle a good vacation out of this next week. I am going to fight a good vacation out of this week in the name of Jesus. I was like, Amen. But then later that night when we're sitting on the bed defeated and it was like, we're going home. I felt like God brought back to my memory what I said earlier. No, no, out of the abundance of the heart. Come on, go again. Fight again. Make a new plan. Go at this thing again because there might be something left in there. And I, can I tell you that the second half of our, of our vacation was grace. It was blessed. It was awesome. Our kids had the time of their life. It was phenomenal. The plane ride home was even good, which is the true miracle. <laughs> but but I, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that almost something came out of me that I had to live. I had to live by now. And I'm saying this to say, don't be afraid to pray big prayers. Don't be afraid to speak boldly. Don't be afraid to say, God, use me. Here I am, Lord, use me. Because out of your heart, there might come a statement that you say, you know what? Maybe I can do that. Maybe I can live up to that. And I believe God will even use you to lead you toward him. Amen. He places provision for his house within his people. And, and, and that's how God chooses to work. The finances the church need, the money that the church will need to run and to operate, it's in the house. The church is the largest crowdfunded organization in the history of the world. You remember when Bernie Sanders kept bragging that everyone was crowdfunding his campaigns, like $27, remember that? That's nothing compared to the church. The church is the largest crowd, it's bigger than the chosen, it's bigger than... This church is not run by federal grants. It's not run by angel investors. We're not selling any products. We're not selling any experience. It literally is simply this. We're going to gather together. We're going to be faithful. And if we all just bring whatever we have in us, I think it will be enough for God to use in a supernatural way to build his house and help his people simple as that. This church is powered by the people who have been captured by the hand of God and willingly offer what they have to use. Provision comes to the people so that provision can come through the, the people. This is how God works. And God says, if you're willing to give, I'm willing to give. And he's a good God because of that. And I, I, I'm so thankful, you know, like I, I understand I understand that, you know, the, the very practicals of, of what we give. It keeps the lights on, keeps the churches running, all the ministry. But I wonder even beyond that, I wonder what supernatural things God has done with the gifts that you've given to the church. I wonder how many people are going to be in heaven because of what you gave in finances and time and energy and serving. I wonder if you're going to meet people in heaven that if you could trace their, their eternal family tree, you're in there somewhere because of something that you did. Maybe people you'll never even know, but God takes the little tiny coin and he says, but I'm gonna use this to build the house. 
This is how God works. Because we would maybe all want some billionaire to walk in and say, hey, my name's Elon, I'm taking care of it. <laughs> but that's not how God works. God says, you wanna build? Pray more fish in. Well, you wanna have a greater effect of the city? Serve a little bit more. Follow a little bit more. Give of yourself a little bit more. Provision comes to us so that it can come through us. And I wonder what resources has God placed inside of you for the furtherance of the kingdom? That's my simple thought today is what's in you? I wonder what's in you. And maybe, maybe you already know what it is. You say, God put this in me and I'm gonna use this to be a blessing to my family, to my wife, my children to my house, to the Lord's house, to my family, maybe you already know. But if you don't know, one of the best ways to figure out what's inside of you is by serving the house of the Lord. I have seen through serving so many people discover God's gift. Like Peter's the first pastor, Peter pulls it out of you. Peter pulls it out. There's something about serving that pulls the gifts out of you. And you're almost, you're almost like, I didn't even know that was in there. I didn't know leadership was in there. I didn't know people skills were in there. I didn't know I had the gift of hospitality. I, I didn't know I, I, I had, had time management skills. I didn't even know until I began to serve the house. Then all of a sudden I started finding gold on the inside. Spoke to one 18 leader a couple weeks ago and she was talking about um, how much she has taken from what she's learned at the church in serving people and just applied it at her job. And she's like, my bosses recognize it. I've grown in the company. I've gotten new positions, promotion after promotion. And she said this, all of it because of the church. God's principles work everywhere. And I'm telling you, when you begin to offer to God whatever you have, God takes it, he multiplies it, he uses it, and it becomes a massive blessing to you and everyone else around you. There's gold on the inside of you. And when you begin to offer it to God, he multiplies it in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so I, I wonder what's inside of you. There, there, there are business minds here. There are entrepreneurs. There are, there are people with ideas. There are those with time, with effort. There are people with unique schedules that can serve. I mean, there's so many different things that I, I couldn't even give you enough examples, but I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit right now to come to you and speak to you and inform you what he's placed in you so that he can use it for the blessing of all those around you. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what's in there. Peter didn't know. The fish didn't even know. But Jesus knew. Jesus knew and he says, take that gold. And he says this, take it and give it. Take it and give it for my tax and for yours, take and give. Provision follows generosity. Give. I don't know about you, but I want to give whatever resources I have in me to God's house fully. Fully. Before my end, I want to make sure that there's no gold left in there. That has all been given into the hands of the Lord. This is... This is what Jesus sees one day when he's with his disciples and, and he's at the temple and he is observing. He's sitting back, Bible says, gathers his disciples and he's observing the people giving their tithes and giving their offerings. And he shows a contrast. Bible says that the wealthy people, they come in and literally uses this word, they cast their offering in. 
It's nothing to them. And it's good that they're giving, but it's, it's nothing to them. But then he points out this widow, this old woman, and she has two mites, which in today's value would be worth one-eighth of a penny. It's worth almost nothing. But it's all that she has. And the Bible says that she took it, and Jesus actually uses this word, she placed it. They cast it, she placed it. And Jesus calls the disciples and he says, look, those that were wealthy, they give to the temple and that's good, but they give out of their surplus. But she, she gives everything that she has. And the Bible actually says all of her living. All of her living. All she had. All of her living. See, the value is not in the amount of the offering, but in the sacrifice it takes to give it. And this woman is giving everything. And, and, and you know what's, what, I, what I find astonishing is that Jesus doesn't go, oh, oh, no, 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 hey, you don't need to. He watches her and he commends her. And every Sunday around the world, this, this woman's story is told. The blessing of this offering is exponential in its multiplication. But it, it, it's, of course, not about, about the amount. It's about the fact that she says, whatever is in me, I'm going to give to the house of the Lord. And don't forget, just because she didn't know God saw didn't mean God didn't see. God sees it. God sees it. He pulls all the other disciples and he says, watch this woman, because this is, this is the sort of thing that I commend, giving your all. I, 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 I hope, I hope we live this way knowing that whether we're rewarded on earth or rewarded in heaven, it doesn't really matter where we're rewarded. Honestly, if we have to choose, rewarded in heaven is better because it's eternal. But the truth is, God is the one who sees, God is the one who watches, and God is, God is readying a reward for his people. But he's saying, can you make that step into faith? Can you give what's, what's within you? I, I hope, I hope, we're not the people that give flippantly. And I certainly hope we're not the people that hold back. I hope we're the people that take whatever's in us and offer it before the Lord and see what he can do with it. You know, I, I think of one of the greatest teachers who's, who's ever lived, his name's Miles Monroe, and he has this awesome sermon, Die Empty. And he talks about how the goal of life is that you should die empty of all of the things that God placed in you. He said the wealthiest place in the world is the graveyard. Because in that place are books that have never been written, songs that have never been released, ideas and businesses that were never tried. They died in the bones of the people and they got put in the ground. I hope you and I, we die empty. I don't want to be that fish with a little bit of gold swimming around, dying and it going to the bottom of the sea and being covered up. I don't want, to, I don't want my gold to be buried with me. I hope it comes out and it's a benefit to the house of the Lord and it's a blessing to all those around me. May that be true of me. May it be true of you. Amen. And so that's our goal. That's my goal is that you would discover what's within you because the enemy wants to come in and say, there's nothing that you got to give. There's nothing within you. You're only broken. But I want you to know that's not true. He might come say, you're only one little fish in the sea, but I want you to know, God has a story for you. And he says, yeah, yeah, I know, but I've done some pretty interesting things and I've buried some provisions 
some gold within that person. And my hope is that you would discover it as you serve, as you join, as you read the word, you would discover the beautiful things that God has put innately in you, but that you wouldn't just leave it in there as if you're the one that got it there, you know, but God placed it there. You know, it would be a tragedy if the fish thought he became rich on his own, you know, he became wealthy on his own. No, no, no. I saw this coin. It was shiny. I went for it. Everyone else was too slow, but I'm a genius and I went for it. No, no. God dropped that coin in because he knew he was going to send Peter later on. You know, he gave it to you to give through you. And I don't want to hoard it and be like, no, no, I did this. No, no. Anything I have, everything I have, all for the glory of God and the blessing of his people. Amen. And I want to show you one last thing, and then I'll close on this, but it's so powerful. It's so cool that the coin, it wasn't a two drachma coin. That was the tax. It was a four drachma coin. In other words, it was enough to pay Peter's tax and Jesus's tax. It was enough to cover God and the people. That's how God does it. God says, there's going to be enough for my house and your house. There's going to be enough for me and you and your children and your children's children. This is the way provision works. He says, if you come to me, I will do fuzzy math. I will let there be multiplication. There will be provision to you, but it's more than enough for you. It will come through you. Can you say amen? God is good. Amen. He's good. Let me pray for you right now. You just lift your hands. I just want the Holy Spirit to speak. I know, you know, I know in this sermon, there's, there's maybe not specific points, like specific examples that I'm using, because I feel like the Holy Spirit's going to apply this. But Holy Spirit, right now, God, will you speak to us? What are you looking for? What have you placed within us? Maybe God's been trying to pull something out of you. And you say, no, no, that's mine. And you've been resisting. But, but you got to see it the way God works. Is that when he pulls it out of you, it's never to take from you, but to be a blessing for more than just you and all those around you. Maybe, maybe you've been holding back out of fear or nervousness, or maybe even like Peter, you say, I don't understand what you're, what you're asking me to do, Lord, so I'm just going to wait until it all makes sense. But I'm, I'm calling you today to trust even when you don't fully understand. This is God's way, miracle way of provision. It's through obedience, it's through sacrifice, it's through generosity. Give and it will be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is the way the whole Bible works is that we can never, ever outgive God, but our generosity primes the pump of God's blessing. And so we don't want to be people that grow stingier and stingier, greedier and greedier, smaller and smaller. But I pray that our boundaries expand and exceed even our wildest dreams. I pray our generosity grows, that we're able to give more of ourselves, more of our times, more of our heart and our emotion, more compassion, that we grow in our generosity, that we grow in our love for each other, that we grow in grace towards each other, 
that even if we do something a little off, a little wrong, where there could be passive aggressiveness to come in, or there could be holding into account or judgmentalism, instead we choose grace upon grace, mercy upon mercy, that we give. We give the very thing that we're looking to receive. We hope that you feel encouraged by this message and that you can keep trusting God's plan of provision for you and through you. If you're local to Rhode Island, take your faith to the next level and join us on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. for Presence Nights, where we gather and pursue Him through prayer. And of course, visit us for service every Sunday at 9.15 and 11 a.m. Head to awakeningchurch.org for more info. God bless you, Awakening.